It's Hero Rewatch! Breaking news! Marley didn't plug in his good microphone for this episode, so his audio is going to sound a little bit worse. Boop, 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 boop. We now return you to Hero Rewatch. Boop, 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 boop. I'm Austin Halpern Grazer. And I'm his brother, Marley Halpern Grazer. I'm 36, I live in Los Angeles, and I'm, I'm an animation writer who's written superhero cartoons like Aquaman, King of Atlantis, streaming right now on HBO Max. Now you don't have to say this in the outro, Austin. Thanks, Marley. I'm 24, I live in Brooklyn, and my improv group, we, we broke up. Um, we're not, oh no. Yeah, yeah, well, okay, I mean, it's not, it's, part of it is for good reasons, which is, like, one of our Was members it, is, lives in Spain now, another member is moving to LA, and- So you never, you never performed? We never performed. Alright, uh, what was the name of the truth? Uh, Fast Casual. Uh, R.I.P. Fast casual. Yeah, that's also the announcement of the name. I think that's the first time it's been said publicly. <laughs> yeah. Birth announcement, death announcement, all at once, yeah. RIP. That's fast uh, and that's casual, okay? <laughs> well, you know, in addition to forming and disbanding comedy troops, something I have also done a lot of in my life, my brother and I love the Marvel Studios movies. Uh, and while living on opposite coasts since Austin was 11, a lot of our relationship has been talking about these movies on the phone. But we've never really rewatched them. So we're doing it now. It's been over 12 years since the first Marvel Studios movie came out, and we're 12 years apart in age. Is that something? Hey, our uncles seem to think so. Yeah, thank you for the continued support. Uh, will, will our perspective have changed now that I'm not a child and Marley has a show out on streaming right now on HBO Max? Hey, we said it twice. Yeah, Aquaman. Um, uh, find out on Hero Rewatch. Hero Rewatch. Um, uh, great, we did it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, hey, every hey, everyone listening uh, at home or in their car or on their walk or on the train, uh, this is actually the first episode we are recording since we've released episodes. Uh, we recorded it. We, we did like we recorded like one a month for six months and then we started releasing them. And now we're now. Yeah, I'm holding up today's newspaper to prove it. Yeah, he is. He, he, yeah, you can all see it says Truman won. <laughs> <laughs> no, it says uh, Tony Stark presumed dead. And it's a spoiler for later in the story we're going to talk about. today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Marley, before we start talking about the movie, how's it feel that Aquaman's finally out? All three parts, all three mini movies are out. Yep, all three parts uh, of the the animated trilogy. How does it feel? Ah, it's great. It's cool. You know, that's what I did during the pandemic was uh, talk to you about Marvel movies and make an Aquaman cartoon. So one of those things is over now. And one of them is just beginning. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's so exciting, too. This is the first thing you've released that was... Uh, released on streaming right away. Um, yeah, I mean, almost, almost at all. Uh, but I, I had there was a chunk of time there where almost like it was a cruel joke on me specifically. Nothing I had ever worked on was really streaming anywhere. Or Quentin and now, Tarantino's dream. 
<laughs> right? You'd be like, uh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, Aqu- Aquaman is my first uh, thing that was released directly onto a streaming platform that it was meant to be released on when we conceived it. It's all very exciting. And a streaming platform that all discerning uh, consumers of high-quality content already have. HBO Max. It's HBO and so much more. HBO Max is doing, I feel I feel like it's rallying. I, I feel like it's, I, I'm into it. I actually, Marley, I got HBO Max to watch your show. It's the first streaming service I've gotten myself. Wow, that's a, that's a big deal. You're for you. I I feel like that's a real rite of passage uh, for a young adult in our day and age. Is when you you get your own login for one of these things. Yeah, yeah. I got it for. I came for the Aquaman, staying for the Succession. Um, <laughs> I still don't watch Succession. I just rewatched Deadwood. Okay, over well, and over. watch Succession. It's a lot like Deadwood, right. except their their shop is bigger. I don't know what Deadwood's about. Hey, well, hey, I got a recommendation for you. It's called Deadwood. HBO Max, everybody. Deadwood's still on there. Me and Marley are different generations, so I'm saying watch the cool new hip show, and he's saying watch (laughs) a show about some dead wood. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Um, All my friends watch Succession. I'm weird. Okay, yeah. No, it's it's good. It's good. You like the Murdochs, right? It's about how... No, I really don't. It's why I don't watch the show. I don't want to remind myself of them. Yeah, well... It's not it's not a pro Murdoch show. I know, I know. Look, I like watching Deadwood, which reminds me of The Hursts, a much older, uh, even eviler uh, media empire. Oh yeah, very wow, I didn't know wow, lot, <laughs> a lot of similarities running through there. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the other thing I wanted to say up front before it gets announced publicly um is that I think They've announced the Fantastic Four movie. And I'm calling it right now. I think that Lakeith Stanfield is going to be Mr. Fantastic. I'm putting it All right. I'm putting it down. That's a solid guess. It's going to I mean I I yeah, I like that. I'm not going to I'm not going to contradict that. I do I mean <laughs> what been... there was well, I was just going to say that in, in the the original, in the first, well, I'm not going to say first because there was that uh, uh, Fantastic Four movie that was made so it would never be released just to keep the rights as mm-hmm. basically a financial scam. That was the first Fantastic Four movie. But the first released Fantastic Four movie, uh, they had uh, things, Girlfriend was black, uh, which is different than the comics. Mm-hmm. And then in the fan four stick, mm-hmm. uh, Human Torch is black, which is different than the comics. I do feel like you can't go backwards. You can't have less black actors than the last Fantastic yeah, Four Yeah, and movie. I think that specifically Lakeith Stanfield is uh, very cool and he's very lanky. And I mm-hmm. think that they could go in a bold direction where they make Mr. Fantastic be cool and not fucking suck. <laughs> I, think I think that's my guess is they're sitting around looking at all the actors and they're like what if and he also played um l in the death note movie so he already has Ooh. one being a super genius on his resume okay um okay. so i don't know i want to see his arms get big you want to see his arms get, get big. <laughs> i want to see his arms get big marley <laughs> yeah look we all want to see Lakeith Stanfield stretches arms away out. I just and, he, I, and he, he's I, also like I, a little bit awkward. Like, can you imagine how embarrassed he'd kind of be when he turns into a big ball? <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Uh, yeah, I just, I just love, I, I just love the 
correct assessment of like, I think they're going to want Mr. Fantastic to be cool this time and not fucking suck like Miles Teller. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot the last one was so young, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man, they really, yeah. (laughs) Poor Miles Teller. I feel like he... Well, not poor Miles Teller. I think he's really mean in real life. <laughs> That's what I hear. That's all I've heard. I think is you. The the thing with him is that you can tell the kind of person he is on screen really well, which is yeah. why he's good in Whiplash, a movie where he's a little little turd. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, you're making your your big uh, call. Oh yeah, so we haven't uh, now that we're we're recording a little closer. Uh, to when we're going to be releasing these, I feel like some context for people as we talk about this movie. Uh, we haven't seen Eternals yet. Oh, You'll have yeah. Seen it. When you when you listen to this in three weeks, you will have seen Eternals. We are about to see Eternals, so we will we can compare this movie to Shang Chi, which we have seen. Yeah. We can't compare it to Eternals. I bet we wouldn't compare it to Eternals, but hey, who knows what's going to happen in Eternals? If the Eternals all turn out to have extremist virus in them or something we won't be able to talk about that here but we probably will talk about eternals next episode to say we saw it probably i don't know if it'll be relevant but yeah well i'm sure it'll come up somehow because we'll have just seen it yeah and also yeah (laughs) i like how you just you assumed that our whole audience will have seen eternals but there's a good chance maybe not that many people will see this one we don't know yet that's true uh yeah also uh i used to do this bit uh, uh, long time listeners will remember I used to do a bit where I said our audience was like growing by a decimal point every show mm-hmm. so I was like our hundreds of fans our thousands of fans our millions of fans I feel like now that we've released the show I have to just judge our audience in terms of uncles which is both of them both our uncles are big fans hi Mike and Todd thank you so much for all your support we maxed out yeah. we can't that's the our cool blo- thing about it we have the maximum yeah, our- amount of our uncles yeah, our, well, our blood-related uncles, uh, but we're pretty confident that uh, Uncle John doesn't listen, and that's okay, because he's not direct, he's not blood-related. Oh, man, yeah, well, he doesn't have a computer. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, Mike, Tom, don't tell him. Don't tell him. Oh, my gosh, we'll be so excited if we get our one more uncle. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think he'd like it. No, I don't really think so. I'm, su- I'm really happy that the ones that listen do because I don't, I don't, it's, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot to get through. <laughs> There's a lot of us yeah. talking uh, about our our cartoon men who are all so yeah. strong. Yeah, cartoon men. So yeah, a shout out to our two uncles. You know, I'm going to do one more uh, shout out to uh, to Brendan listening, my friend Brendan listening in uh in Atlanta, Law is strong supporter of the podcast. I'm gonna freak him out. Uh, what do you you got one? You want to single out one friend? Um, I'm gonna just say to all the fans out there, thank you so much for being on the pod with us today. <laughs> um, I feel- all right, okay, yeah. No, what? No, what, no, you, no, you got, no, you, no. I was you just got- gonna, you know, uh, shout out, shout out Jeff, our last uh, guest. Uh, no. Oh, that's true. Uh, no, not our last guest. Our last, uh, that's, our last that's guest. That's the one we just released. Shout out to Jeff and Josie. Yeah, I'm so we, we've. Yeah, we recorded this. You know what? Whatever. I don't care. We recorded the Superman one out of order, so we forget when we released it. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, and we haven't released the Superman one yet when we've done this. I just want people to really know the schedule that we're making these in, Marley. Yeah, you. 
Yep. Next but week, heard... the Superman one comes out. No, last week. To the no, 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 no. Next week to us now. <laughs> All right. Well, this is great. What do you remember about Iron Man 3? Um, I liked it. I Well, my when it came out, I really liked it. And yeah. uh, I remember thinking it was really cool that they make him lose the iron man suit and do all of the half iron man suit stuff and he has to make all the tools and things i thought it was cool that he fights just strong people that shoot fire and are hot and doesn't fight another iron man kind of guy my memory is this is in my top five maybe top three uh mcu movies yeah i mean i don't i won't take up too much of our time because i remember it pretty pretty similarly also like i was pretty into kiss kiss bang bang uh the movie that shane black had written and directed uh uh relatively close to this uh and shane black uh for anyone who doesn't know uh is like one of the most famous sort of 80s and 90s action movie writers Mm -hmm. like he wrote lethal weapon lethal weapon 2 last boy scout last action hero long kiss goodnight uh and then in the 2000s he started to write writing and directing movies and uh, Iron Man 3 is the second movie he wrote and directed, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, and I was I was pretty into him, so I was pretty into that. And Kiss Kiss and, Bang uh, Bang was one of the first movies Robert Downey Jr. was in after yeah. he recovered. Uh, yeah, I would, I would say that Shane Black pretty... More than Iron Man, Shane Black saved Robert Downey Jr.'s career by casting him in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because him successfully making it through a movie let Marvel be able to cast him in Iron Man. Like, Marvel was not going to be the first person to see if he could handle it. Okay, so what did you think about the movie now? You know, uh, I thought this was going to happen sooner, um, and this is the first time it happened. This movie is exactly how I remember it, 100%. There's a couple scenes I didn't remember just because I am not the robot uh, Jarvis man I wish to be. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I know... There was a few little things where I was like, oh, interesting, but uh, I've got a, uh, I, I came up with sort of a different thing to talk about with this movie rather than, oh, this is different than I remember because it's exactly how I remember. This movie's great. I still love it. I think it holds up great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I basically feel the same way. I mean, there's some things that are fun to notice about, like just in terms of this project, like there are things that stick out to me more now than they would have at the time. Like, in what ways that this movie actually does reference real-world politics a little bit and things like that. Yep. In a way that um, uh, the first Iron Man did and stuff like that was interesting. But in terms of, like, the actual movie, my opinion of it did not change that much. Um, I feel like I liked it a little bit less than I remember having liked it. But I think that's just because the movie has a series of, like five or six very cool different little things Iron Man does in it. And I don't know if they are all connected the best, but when I think back on it, I'm always like, oh, it's great. There's the stuff where he's in Christmas town. There's the stuff with all the suits. There's the stuff when he doesn't have the suit. And I just compile it all in my head and I like each part individually. So, yeah, you know, that's a great segue into I'll just I'll just be upfront about my plan here because we won't get to it instantly. I don't know what the uh, plan so, is either. This is a Yeah, I know. So I'm going to I'm just going to tell plan. you. So, uh here's the here's the thing. It's not that I remembered it different than this, but I just sort of doing this project, I really noticed it watching it this time. So, we've talked about when we look uh, ahead to like when we're going to watch uh 
Winter Soldier or Civil War. We've talked about how part of what the Russo brothers brought to the Marvel movies was just doing like actual serious martial arts fight sequences. Mm -hmm. And that you notice that these earlier movies don't have that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I realized very obviously, I'm surprised I didn't remember this, what Shane Black brings to this movie that I don't know that anybody uh, does afterwards, and I don't think anyone had really done before, is what this movie has is really serious, thought-out, like, classic American action movie set pieces. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, like... We have a new, there's sort of a language of filmmaking now with these movies that I think rightfully people call blockbuster movies or blockbuster mm-hmm. filming. Like you don't call Transformers an action movie. Yeah. You don't call Avengers an action movie. You call it a blockbuster movie, even though that term predates that. Yeah. That's what we, when you say blockbuster now, you mean giant CG buildings crashing into alien spaceships and a thousand 9-11s happening at once. Uh-huh. Um and I think this, what this movie has is just, like, really serious, solid, like, thought-out set pieces it's, the way 80s and 90s action movies have. Or, like, the only things that are still doing this are, like, the Mission Impossible movies and stuff. Where yeah, definitely. Mich- and the writer, the co-writer of this movie wrote some Mission Impossible movies. Um, the other thing I learned from watching all the behind-the-scenes stuff is a lot of those stunts were done practically. They actually mm. did drop 15 people out of a plane and film them and stuff so that, that was all sense. it was all done practically then they had to paint out the backgrounds completely and put in a robot man flying around but like, yeah yeah there yeah. is all of this stuff that they push to like do a lot of those set pieces had to be really well thought out because they were all a lot of them were more real than they are in the later movies yeah or so so one movies. yeah so one one thing that i did that we'll we'll get to is i i marked each what i think are the six set pieces in this movie and what i think the deal of them is that's fun uh and i think that's so that's my plan is to talk about that in that context yeah uh but but i feel like i should just say that because we're not going to get to the first one till the end of the first i'm really excited that i watched the behind the scenes because i bet you they explained how they did them in most of them yeah um i think this is gonna work out pretty well so let's get going first off paramount logo i know we're such goons (laughs) I thought it was going to go away. It just keeps coming. I hope it never goes away. I hope I remember completely wrong and Endgame had the Paramount logo somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think out of honor, Disney just puts the Paramount logo now on Disney Plus on all of them. It's really, oh man. I, I didn't realize this a podcast was going to be such a Paramount logo fan cast. Yeah, that just keeps happening. That also like every time we're like, Captain America's the last one. Okay, well I guess Avengers must be the last one. oh well beautiful beautiful paramount logo it'll be so sad the first time it doesn't pop up and now i don't have any guess anymore as to when that's gonna happen must be the next one you know (laughs) we'll find out uh yeah so the the you know the the cold open of this movie we've talked about it in other podcasts so we're not gonna talk about it much here horny tony stark scene Yep, last horny, last horny Tony Stark. We get a flashback to 1999. He's super horny. I love. Uh, I lost my mind when this came up in the movie because it's playing "I'm Blue," the song by yeah. Eiffel 65, which was huge for my, when I was a five year old. I loved that song. <laughs> uh, just went nuts for it. I remember at a friend's birthday party when we were all like seven, being like, "Hey, YouTube exists now. Let's just watch the I'm Blue music video over and over." And it was just Amazing. a video of little CGI blue guys, like, dancing around and in spaceships and stuff. 
That's that's so um, great. So I just uh, I yeah. I wonder if it was like a really really stealth reference to the fact that in in Ultimate Comics, uh, Ultimate Iron Man had this weird like thing where he was like genetically engineered as a kid and he had like super sensitive skin uh-huh. or something and he had to wear like a blue shell over his whole body so he was a little blue man uh-huh. maybe that's like what they were thinking i think what they Probably were thinking not. is that song was really popular in 1999 <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think you're right uh i i did want to this uh point out that this movie uh in some ways is like the the writing style is almost the anti-weed uh joss whedon yeah because this movie constantly has this thing where someone says a little pithy saying and then immediately is like but that's bullshit what does that even mean yeah because the open opening of this movie is tony stark narrating and he's like you know a famous man once said we make our own demons and I don't know what that means or who said it, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> just like the opposite writing style, basically, to what we just did in Avengers where someone was just actually trying to invent those sorts of little sayings. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is It is very funny. It is, it is like, I feel like when they came out on top of each other, I liked both of them, and I don't think I realized at the time how opposite they are to each other. Because also yeah. when people aren't doing that, they're not... Like, even just the style of quips in this, because they still have classic action movie style people saying things after they blow people up but they're less yeah. clever like yeah and and tony stark does actually call people pop culture references a little bit in this movie so i think even outside of whedon that is something tony stark does or a thing that robert downey jr does <laughs> yeah yes i think it's just something maybe robert downey jr really does so maybe it's more that joss whedon left all those ad libs in and every other director has cut most of them yeah, out. maybe who knows there was in the there's outtakes of like they had him, this is much later in the movie, but th- there's a point when he's tied up and he's trying to call the armor to himself and he's like, mm-hmm. there's two guards and he's like, I'm going to kill you now or whatever. Um, and he's making different jokes at them and they filmed him for like 10 minutes just doing different uh, improv for jokes for that or whatever. Yeah, and, that makes sense. Like, And that's a, that's a scene that's, uh, there's a scene like that in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang where I think it's Robert Downey Jr. tied up like, telling people that he's gonna break free and kill them oh yeah so, great money on screen <laughs> yeah i have robert downey jr and have him be really confident um but yeah the only thing that's important here is uh we meet two two scientists who who are gonna come back later we meet uh uh maya hansen and aldrich killian and Maya Hansen's super smart, but she's also super hot. So Tony only cares about sleeping with her. And Aldrich Killian is super smart, but he's also kind of weird looking. So Tony hates him. Yeah. And, 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 and <laughs> pranks him and tells him to wait for him on the roof and then never comes. Because never he's comes. too busy having all that sex with the beautiful scientist. Yeah, who is a genius and uh, is uh, developing the ability for plants to regrow themselves and accidentally explode. That's the setup of what her science is. Yeah, and you get to see young John Favreau, which is him with long hair. Yeah, young yeah, happy. you get to yeah, Not. yeah, you see young happy. Yeah, happy. It's funny. Uh, John Favreau's happy is not in this movie that much in the way that would make sense if he was directing it, so he wouldn't have to be on screen and direct too much. Mm-hmm. But it's actually like. He's not in the movie that much, maybe, so he doesn't have to watch someone else direct Iron Man too much. Oh, yeah, Cause yeah. Because may- maybe that was weird. Yeah, because I'm sure that it wasn't his choice to not be asked to do Iron Man 3. I mean, You know, it, it probably been. was. It probably was, actually, because he's obviously on super good terms with Disney. He left to go make Jungle Book yeah. and Lion King. And he's and on good terms with the Marvel movies. He's in them still. 
Yeah, he's still in them. But I still wonder if there was a decision to be like, don't make me be in it too much. Yeah, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, and uh, yeah, and then uh, oh, one thing is, because uh, the movie starts with narration and every now and then Tony Stark is like, and that's what happened and that's how we got mm-hmm. here. And I kept waiting for that narration to catch up with the movie mm-hmm. and have it be like, and now we're here in the second act. I forgot that the narration just goes away, but comes back at the very, very end. And this entire movie technically is Tony Stark telling us a story. So, you know, he's going to live. So maybe the movie doesn't work. Cause you know, he survives. Yeah. Unlike every other superhero movie where you think they die at the end. Yeah. Well, wait until we get to the one where he dies. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know what? Actually, uh, with the narration and the fact that Tony spoilers does not ever try to kill himself in this movie, oh, yeah. this is actually this is actually the only Iron Man movie that does not seriously toy with the idea that Tony Stark might die. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, no, and well, and it's important. This is the first movie with Iron Man in it where he doesn't try and kill himself. Uh, yeah, this is the first Iron Man movie that doesn't seriously suggest that iron man is going to die in this movie yeah Uh, every in iron man iron man 2 and avengers there's a point in the movie when you're really supposed to think he's gonna die because the the smart this 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 movie doesn't do that going ahead to present day tony you get to see what he's struggling with is that he has like ptsd from the avengers movie and stuff i think that that's a smart way of handling a more down-to-earth character having experienced what happened in the avengers movie is to like examine it and be like if if he's a real person at all he would not be handling this well like that is too much for someone to have gone through so i I think that that's a better stakes for this that it's like he's just trying to get better mental health and like yeah you see him having uh having lunch with roadie and like kids want his autograph but basically being reminded about what happened in avengers gives him panic attacks he like can't breathe he thinks he's been poisoned he like runs into the suit that's waiting for him outside and uh he's like suit what's wrong and jarvis is like you're having a panic attack sir yeah and then Uh, then he flies away yeah then he flies away and we see that what he's been doing is just building suits uh and not sleeping he hasn't slept for 72 hours yeah he's not sleeping he's just building suits uh pepper uh pepper comes home and she thinks she's talking to him but actually she's talking to an empty suit he's downstairs still working on suits (laughs) yeah he's doing Uh, pull-ups yeah (laughs) he's just doing pull-ups uh and uh and you know what's fun there's a little second i don't remember what they're called but there's a second where he punches like a little martial arts um mannequin thing Mm -hmm. and that's because he trained in martial arts for this movie robert downey jr did to try yeah he does some yeah he does some actual fighting in this one yeah yeah um so that's That's, he was probably like i want to show that i learned how to do this but, but, but also, I mean, honestly, it's not a bad idea to set up that Tony Stark can do that because he hasn't in any movie before this. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, he does more actual fighting, non-technology-assisted fighting in this movie that would be technically out of nowhere. He's never done anything like that before. No, totally. Uh, it's, it's smart to put it in. Um, um, one thing this movie does a, a lot of is really sets up everything that's going to be important later. Uh, like this scene sets up that he can remote control pilot one of the suits now, yeah. which was not something he used to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this movie, I think this scene sets up that he's been training in hand-to-hand combat, something that's going to matter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then we we also learn that there are these uh, terrorist attacks being uh, carried out 
by uh, someone that everyone calls the Mandarin. Uh, and this is, you know, when the Iron Man movies first started coming out, everyone was like, well, they got to do Mandarin, right? Mm-hmm. He's the he's the Iron Man villain. But Mandarin, as we all know, is a uh, super racist uh, yellow peril character with 10 magic alien rings. Mm-hmm. And even, even in uh, 2008, when the first Iron Man came out, we were all like, Oh boy! Yeah. How how exactly are they going to do the Mandarin? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, oh no! And they were pointing towards it because the name of the terrorist organization that um, takes uh, in Tony in the first movie is called the Ten Rings, which is yes. a reference to Mandarin having ten rings, having ten rings, and they use that same ten rings symbol. So this you're supposed to be like, oh, finally mm-hmm. we're getting the real ten rings and the real Mandarin. Here he is, and I def- I do remember. Uh, you know, this is Ben Kingsley uh, playing the Mandarin, and he's doing this like obviously fake, fake voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like over, like overly American accent yeah. that's clearly not the man's real accent. Uh, and I definitely remember spending, you know, the first two thirds of this movie just being like, "All right, this movie seems pretty good, but this is a little weird. <laughs> is this what we're? I guess it's not. I guess it's not racist like I was worried it would be, but it's it's definitely weird. Are we really doing this? And uh, yeah, that's that's on purpose. Obviously, you're supposed it, to feel like that. It's also funny too because it, they were doing it after um, like the Dark Knight and even uh, Dark Knight Returns haven't come out, so it was like very in it like played well and was funny to have that play on like a, a bad guy character with like a kind of fake voice. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, Mandarin is basically a parody of Christopher Nolan's Bane. Yeah. Like the way he talk, the way he talks, what he's saying, the whole deal. Uh, I think that's absolutely what it feels like, but it is also, I mean, they're calling him the Mandarin because they wanted you to think it was really him and that they were doing the Mandarin, but a hundred percent of the iconography is still sticking with the Iron Man one style, like Middle Eastern, Afghanistan, Pakistan, like the everything about how it looks and what he's doing is invoking that uh more uh al-qaeda sort of image yeah it has nothing to do the fake version of him in this movie has nothing to do with the mandarin in the comic either yeah no nothing he doesn't look or not yeah nothing uh so it's it's just completely its own thing um and uh yeah i remember yeah, it's just sitting through the whole movie kind of trusting that it was going to be cool because I was enjoying the movie so much, but being worried about that stuff. Uh, and I do really, I like how on the nose it is. One of the first things the Mandarin does uh, right before, right after he blows up the Chinese theater mm-hmm. uh, in L.A. and Happy gets caught in the explosion, uh, the Mandarin gets on TV and tells the story about how fortune cookies aren't even Chinese. They look Chinese, but they're a hundred percent American. Mm -hmm. So he's just looking into camera and telling you the deal with the Mandarin in this movie, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, which I love. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the movie does a good job of like, I mean, cause also like, um, it has a similar theme to the Iron Man one where behind this terrorist organization, this one, it takes it even a step further. But in the first one, you find out like, oh, actually the problem with this group is they were getting weapons from uh, Tony Stark's old friend boss, dad's friend boss. Um, yes. And his own company and who he has to defeat is a American industrialist or whatever, war profiteer. And in this movie, it's the same kind of thing, except 
there isn't even a real terrorist organization anywhere. It's completely fake and made up by a, an American guy trying to sell weapons. Yeah. Uh, and so Pepper meets that guy. He meets Guy Pierce playing uh, 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 Killian. Um, and uh, what's this? I can never. Aldrich Killian. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, he's Just, from the comics. All these, all these names are from Aldrich, Aldrich Killian is Aldrich in, is from Killian. the comics, uh, from the storyline Extremis, uh, which in uh, in the comics the Extremis is explicitly nanotechnology. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it is hard. It is so Killian explains his plan to Pepper, and then I'm going to explain that to you guys, which is that what Extremis does is hijacks the brain's own healing capacities and turns it into overdrive so you can like regrow limbs or make yourself stronger or Mm -hmm. faster or resistant to disease and he pitches this to pepper and pepper's like well this obviously has military applications and we don't do weapons anymore Mm -hmm. and he's like oh you'll rue the day yeah Uh, they they are they're hiding that aldrich killian is secretly the is secretly behind the mandarin they are not hiding that he's a villain he's clearly a villain when you meet him yeah 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 and also he's Uh, the guy that tony met at the beginning and was on the roof but now he's hot yes yes yeah he looks yeah he, he now he looks like regular guy pierce pretty good yeah dude this is also tony's most hot uh villain he's had to fight um in, yeah in his solo films i don't want i don't want the hiddleston fans to kick it out yes this is the the hottest guy pierce is the is the hot sorry jeff jeff old jeff bridges <laughs> yeah guy, guy pierce is the hottest but this is uh, the first time guy. he's fought like another suave smart guy who's hot yeah yeah you know and 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 also like the more the movie wants him to come off that like the movie's trying to make guy pierce seem like a cool swap yeah guy. like the point of that pepper scene is like oh because also like he used to hit on pepper all the time and yeah then he's like, like flirting hey, with pepper's hanging out with this guy he's showing her his big brain <laughs> yeah oh yeah he's st- he because he steals uh he actually is also the first villain to steal tony stark's most important little trick which is make a room turn into a hologram to uh illustrate the point he's making yeah 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 <laughs> uh because uh killian makes a big hologram of the human mind and uh shows off the little piece that's missing which is what extremis upgrades which is totally bullshit no 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 marley that's true Hum- no, totally not real. No. Human mind, not missing anything. No, missing... All of it's doing something. Marley, we're missing one part, and if we just got it, I could shoot fire out of my mouth. <laughs> That's, I don't know. It's one of my pet peeves where people are like, the human brain isn't using its full potential. Only that like thing of like only 30% of your brain's even being used. And it's like, all of your brain, all of every part of your brain is doing something. Most of what it's doing making you breathe yeah. regulate your body temperature like our brain does so it, much it, besides consciously think I, I get the feeling to be upset about it because it is a trope that's used over and over to the point that i think most people think that it's just true yeah that's why it bothers me i don't mind it as a sci-fi concept i mind that i think a lot of people think it's real yeah because the thing that people think is real is him saying that the brain is missing a slot but the thing that's not real is the thing he invented. But, like, people think that, like, the limitless drug, like, oh, yeah, there's yeah. no drug that can do that. But that's true. Your brain only uses 30%. Yeah, exactly. People think it's only half science fiction when the entire thing is science fiction. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. Uh, but, yeah, Killian, like, is, is being super flirty with Pepper. And she's not she's not at all buying his business pitch. But you are supposed to think that maybe she's buying the flirting a little bit. Yeah, because also... Her freaking boyfriend back home, not doing so hot, cares more about his robots than his girl. 
That's true. And oh, and we, you know, we had talked about whether Avengers was the only time you see Pepper and Tony like getting along. And that is still sort of true, but I, I did forget that in this scene when she comes home and she finds his suit and then he's doing pull-ups, you do feel like they are in love. They're just having a fight. Yeah, well, uh, and it's, it, it's it, not it's it's not like Iron Man two where it seems like she doesn't like him at all. Yeah, and, and it's um weirdly because in Iron Man two he's dying, but in this movie <laughs> it's much more believable and you feel much more sympathetic for what he's going through and that he's has having anxiety attacks and things. Is yes. for some reason that's more relatable to the audience than he has a a blood toxicity problem and needs to change <laughs> the cores out of his heart yeah. every so often. For some reason, him having panic attacks is more relatable to me than that. Yeah, I mean, I'll you know I'll say one thing that that has uh, changed is that uh, I definitely have more anxiety in myself now having lived through the pandemic mm-hmm. uh, or currently living through the pandemic that we're still in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I definitely like just those scenes when he like is stressed out and having trouble breathing and he just needs to get in his suit to feel better. Yeah. Definitely was like, yeah, that's like how sometimes I want to be wearing a mask when I'm out, even though I know it doesn't really make a difference because I feel better because I'm just doing the one thing I can do, yeah. which is be, be wearing the mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah, totally. Also, I think masks make a big difference. I'm talking about specific circumstances where I know I, I'm not around anyone or anything. Yeah, and like, you know, the Iron Man suit does make him safer. He didn't need it at that moment, but, yeah. You know. And this is, too, we've talked about this a lot. This is the movie where right now he's not handling it very well, but Tony's transitioning to his final form, which is a man who's very worried aliens will kill his wife. Um, yes and <laughs> this is yes he this is the start of that in this movie he doesn't know how to deal with it yet the next movies he's turned it into an actionable plan where he is working to try and protect himself from aliens attacking yeah no definitely uh and then uh yeah the 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 scientist who was uh attractive the first time uh, uh maya hansen uh she comes to visit and she's still attractive killian got more attractive she stayed the same it, amount it attractive cool that they didn't de-age anyone at all in this movie like, that's true you're right they didn't shit now probably uh yeah i think that's true um and uh yeah so she shows up and she's like stark i gotta talk to you and then pepper's like why is your ex-girlfriend here and she's like eh, it wasn't really like a girlfriend thing mm-hmm. and she's like oh yeah i forgot that my boyfriend kind of sucks yeah <laughs> uh and then uh and then a missile hits the house oh well the missile hits the house and i did want to talk about this which is when happy gets blown up and is in the hospital tony stark is very angry journalists are like why don't you just go kill the mandarin and tony stark says uh on camera hey mandarin you and me i'm just gonna kill you no politics just good old-fashioned revenge come and get me here's my address and i do think that in some ways that like obviously that was supposed to be just like kind of like a I don't know, tough thing mm-hmm. for him to say and show that he's like, whatever, really upset about what's happening. But I actually also think as much as all the Mandarin stuff is pulling on like war and terror and pulling on like international relations stuff, I do actually think that scene is also Shane Black being like, no, he's involved now because his friend got hurt. And this is not about like this movie is not about politics. This movie is all about good old fashioned revenge. Mm-hmm. And that's they're sort of it's a thesis statement of like, oh, yes, yeah. there's a lot of geo there's a lot of geopolitical stuff going on in this movie. But actually, the movie is about mandarin hurt his friend and he's gonna kill him for well, it. well not really the movie is about that tony hurt 
the real man Killian's feelings and he's <laughs> trying to kill Tony and all the people he likes because of it. Yes, that's also true. Like it's oh, Yeah, oh no, oh you're oh you're right, you're right, you're right, right. It's bigger than that. It's it's the whole movie is not about politics, it's about revenge. Yeah, no, you're right. The, the enemy no, you're right. the bad guy's motivation is also revenge. Yeah, um, yes. It's, yeah, it's it's like the fortune cookie thing. It's looking it's looking at the audience and telling them the, what is happening in the movie. Yeah. You just might not notice he's it. He's saying he's saying yeah, the mandarin is not about revenge. Is not about politics. It's about revenge. Whatever. Yeah, all of it is. Um, yes. So I I, I think also, that's an important scene. This movie shows the kinds of problems that Iron Man could actually solve, which is like fighting one terrorist organization or something. <laughs> Instead of an Iron Man 2 where they allude to the fact that Iron Man has caused world peace across the entire globe. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, like, I don't know. It's just interesting to see this where they don't even, like, try and address the fact where it's, like, theoretically, Iron Man has done a lot of things like this or solved yeah no no you're right like in that in the the restaurant scene where the kids are asking for tony's autograph tony is talking to roadie about the mandarin and what roadie says is this isn't superhero stuff that's terrorist attacks this is this is u.s military stuff just don't worry about it yeah which is very different than iron man 2 which was saying that what superhero stuff is is dealing with geopolitical conflicts yeah and like the this, but they also that the governments didn't want him to be doing it but just no one could stop him from yeah. heralding in world peace across the globe that's definitely true but also but i just feel like this movie now that there are aliens yeah this movie can say iron man you deal with aliens let us deal with terrorists. even though he's at, never dealt with an alien except in avengers yes and it destroyed his mind <laughs> yeah <laughs> permanently broken yeah no, it's very relatable. Basically, knowing that aliens exist destroyed Tony Stark's brain the way it would. Yeah. He kept it together in the movie. As soon as the movie ended, he went like, what was not okay. <laughs> yeah. I know I I know I was acting like the Hulk is normal to me. It's not. <laughs> I did not like that. Yeah, I, mean, I think he I think that's one of his lines to Pepper. He's like, when you see something and you can't explain it, you you go crazy. Yeah. Basically, he's like, I see aliens and now I'm I'm broken now. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. I love it. Uh, it's it's honestly with rewatching it. This is this. You're right. This is the most actually relatable and the most actually like, oh, I understand what's motivating him and I empathize with it of for Tony Stark of any of the movies we've watched up to this point. Yeah, because it's the only movie where a small child asks him a simple question and he falls down and can't breathe. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that could happen to me. Sure. <laughs> uh and also yeah like also this movie like it's not about him being rich it's like it is about him being there's him being a celebrity matters but it's only because when he loses absolutely everything he can usually find someone who knows who he is and will help him out Mm -hmm. it's just he's just uh you know but yeah the way way his celebrity works too is yeah there are people who can help him out but it's mostly a hindrance because for a lot of the movie he's pretending to be dead because after the mandarin he releases his uh address the mandarin blows up his house which is one of the set pieces yeah so that yeah so here we get to the first set piece which is three helicopters uh blow up his house him pepper and uh and hansen uh are are in there uh and he 
he has this new suit that's connected to like microchips he put in his arm mm-hmm. and the first thing he does is he puts that suit on pepper and i think that's a really good scene and when the bomb when the bomb hits he activates the suit and what it does is protect pepper from the explosion and i have two behind the scenes things i learned one that happens because robert downey jr has been wanting more for pepper to do in the movies since the first one um and he really wanted her to wear the suit in the second one for some reason and like in in the behind the scenes thing that's kevin feige being like and we we just couldn't figure out a reason for that to happen so for this one it was like the the sense you get from the bts video is that robert downey jr had by far the most say of anyone in terms of what like had to happen in the movie which are like yeah, that makes sense. wanted pepper to get to do more he wanted her to get to wear a suit and he wanted the third act to be bigger than any other movie <laughs> um, <laughs> great and but it's really good it's really like because like you said it's it's he so much of why aliens freaked him out is because he's like well now how do i protect my loved ones yeah and so one of the things he was tinkering with down there was a way to instantly throw a suit of armor on Pepper if there's an, ex- an emergency, and he doesn't. And it shows that he's being selfless by uh, making sure, even, like, she doesn't know how to use the suit as well, too. So, like, it's being, he's prioritizing her well-being over his by a lot by having her have the suit first. Yeah, but to your to your argument about, uh, to the thing you said about, like, he also wanted... Gwyneth Paltrow to have more to do once he puts the suit on her she does then of her own like volition save him yeah so it's not it's she is she's not just passively being rescued he gives her the ability to rescue him and I say rescue twice because at this point in the comics Pepper Potts had gotten her own suit of armor and her code name was rescue yeah yeah and it's cool in the comics because she's a lady she doesn't have uh lasers she just has force fields right yeah, that part's not the best. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because it's like the idea is, oh, Pepper, you're not a murderer. I didn't give you the ability to blow off people's faces with lasers. I gave you the ability to save people, which is sort of makes sense and is kind of fitting in the character. But also, yeah, it means she's got the, the designated lady power, which is defensive. Yeah, it's cool that then to think about it the other way, that the way he thinks about Rhodey is like, okay, you're a murderer. You're in the army. <laughs> so I gave you way more guns. Yeah. Um, and I'm normal, so I get everything. Um, yeah. The other thing I was going to say from the behind the scenes is this, their house was a real set that they built. They built that giant, huge house, and they built half of it on a gimbal so that it could break mm. in half the way that it does when it's hit with missiles. And all of that wow. stuff is real. Yeah. That's that's crazy. That's great. So, yeah. So, this first set piece, after he pulls the suit, he saves Pepper. He pulls the suit onto him back to himself once he once he's Jarvis tells him Pepper is safe. So the, the premise of this set piece is there are three helicopters. He's wearing the suit, but it's a prototype suit. It's not working. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can't fly. Uh, it can't fly. So he's wearing a suit that can't fly and he's fighting helicopters. So he has to like like a the piano is falling through the window and he blasts the piano so it destroys a helicopter like he just picks up one of the little missiles in his suit throws the missile at the helicopter then shoots it mm-hmm. with uh with the thing he just has to think of he can't just fight them like normal because the suit's not quite working that's it the, is very the, funny the, the gimmick that's the gimmick of this scene is there are two things going on with tony stark in this movie and one one of them is the idea that he's just been obsessively building suits and stuff and it's funny that then when anything goes wrong, it's like he didn't actually prepare in a way to protect himself at all. Like, the only suit he has that's usable in this fight is a broken one. Um, yeah, yeah. Just, you know. Just, no, you're right. I, I totally, yeah, like, so like, just like, I don't care about any of that stuff. 
actually, but uh, yeah. So that that's the premise of this 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 uh, this first uh, set piece is that the there's the rules of the suit is it can blast but it can't fly, and the guys he's fighting are in the air, so he has to figure out other ways to take them down, and he winds up uh, crashing down into the water and getting knocked unconscious, and the suit saves him, but he's unconscious, and so the suit just flies him to the the next place he was gonna go if this hadn't happened, which is he learned that there was an explosion like a man, like the kinds of explosions the Mandarin is causing. There was one of them earlier that no one tied to the Mandarin that happened in Tennessee. Yeah. And it had, this movie has one trademark, uh, Tony Stark just moving around holograms and somehow figuring something out that's incomprehensible. Uh, but it has yeah, less this- of those scenes than some of these yeah it just does what he has a, he has a perfect hologram of the bomb that almost killed happy and it's so perfect he can see that happy is pointing to some dog tags that no one knew were there but i guess got picked up on the hologram yeah and and happy knew his boss would be looking at this via hologram so he's pointing to the dog tags being like look at see this in the hologram mr stark yeah and it's a little silly but i'll allow it no it, it is it is what it is there's yeah um it also well because it's there because that way also happy didn't just get blown up he helped him solve the mystery by pointing to the dog totally cubs. totally totally uh, One thing but yeah that's it's fun about this movie is that it takes place like right around christmas the whole movie is like the week of yeah. christmas um and when we were watching it, my roommate was like, well, I know when this movie came out. And I was like, it came out in May, okay? <laughs> it came out in May. <laughs> Why is it set on Christmas? Uh-huh. Uh, I chained black like setting things on Christmas. Although apparently Marvel, like, what I've always heard is that Marvel came said to him, like, also, it's you. You got to set it on Christmas. And he's like, oh, I wasn't going to necessarily do that. And he's, they were like, no, we hired you to make a Christmas action movie. Make a Christmas action movie. <laughs> And he went, okay. Yeah, it was really (laughs) funny. In the interview, he said, like, working with Robert Downey Jr. is really difficult, but I think it gets the best work out of me of anything I do. It's a really uh, good relationship, but it's a very difficult one. And I was like, wow, that's wild. (laughs) That's what you said. (laughs) And then it it was just like a two-minute clip of Robert Downey Jr. acting really hard to deal with around him. Like, there's one part where he was just like, the cameras aren't even here. I'm doing all of this just for you. Robert Downey Jr. said that. Great. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, this is, like, you know, this is definitely one of my favorite Shane Black movies, and this is probably the best uh, Tony Stark, like, this is Robert Downey Jr.'s best performance as Tony Stark, I think. Like, obviously, the one in Iron Man, like, you know, was the first one, and it blew us all away, and everyone was super into it, but there's parts of it that when I watch it now, I don't love as much as I did then, and this one 100% holds up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I, I this one's great. It's so good. Um, um, it makes so, me, yeah. this movie bums me out that they didn't make more just straight-up Iron Man movies, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, so uh, so then what happens is the, the broken suit flies him to Tennessee, uh, it's snowing. It's super cold. I actually don't know how much snow you usually get in Tennessee around Christmas. I think it's unusually snowy for Tennessee in December, uh, but that's fine. I'm sure it can happen. Um, and uh, yeah, his suit breaks, Jarvis breaks, uh, and then he's just got a dead uh, suit in the cold and he's just dragging it around. Yeah. And he meets uh, he meets a little kid. It is he interesting. He's a little kid I was... with a... Uh, Oh, sorry. I was thinking about this. This is uh, needlessly uh, pedantic, but I was like, wait, but his arc reactor is what powers the suit. 
So how does the suit run out of power? But then I realized now in this movie, this, all the suits are powered when they're not on him. They don't need yeah. the reactor. So I guess now they are all also have external power in them besides just his arc reactor. Yes, I, I did have that thought that every 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 time it matters that the suit has power or not, it's because it's going to do something while not on his body. Yeah. Because uh, it needs to have power so it can fly to him. It needs to have power so he can remote control drone it. Like every, the, yeah, the power matters because he's not the one power. I also, it's also why, it's also why Pepper can wear the suit, even though she doesn't have an arc reactor. Also in Iron Man 2, they kind of gloss over this. Clearly he put an arc reactor in the suit he wanted Rhodey to steal, which is the only reason Rhodey can steal it. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, and then now they all, I guess, just have arc reactors built into them at all times. Or I think, yeah, I, I think so. That they know. wouldn't be able to, they they wouldn't all be able to fly around without him otherwise. Yeah, it also, you know, whatever. It's cool <laughs> so that they whatever. can fly around, and it's cool that he can't use the suit for a chunk of the movie. Yeah, exactly. It is cool. Uh, but yeah, so he he breaks into a a, a surprisingly well equipped garage that turns out to belong to a child yes <laughs> <laughs> a child owns this very well equipped garage it is fun too like obviously as, i was a teenager when this first came out but the older i get i'm like man this he really relies on a child in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> a lot yeah 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 a child owns it yeah because his mom is gone and his dad is gone yeah, well, his mom works at the diner, so it's like an all-night diner, so she's not around at night. Oh, okay. And then his dad, his dad left like six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do, it's you know, you know, uh, Tony Stark and the kid are, are great. They do, they do that the classic dynamic of a, a prickly guy who doesn't really like kids who has to rely on a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he does, he's he does a really good mix of like being kind of mean to the kid, but at the level where it's all still funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, and also like seems like the kid's having fun and the kid yeah him and he gets to help out his his robot friend there's like gonna be a whole plot line they cut where uh the kid has a bully in the movie they reference mm-hmm. and that bully was yeah. gonna be in the movie um, oh really yeah and there's a scene that's funny oh no go ahead while tony stark at one of the many times he's on the ground having a panic attack with the kid the bully comes up and is like hey screw you harley and the kid's like, hey, what? And they're like, who's that? And he's like, it's my friend, Tony Stark. And they're like, that's not true. Tony Stark's dead. And they, like, throw a <laughs> snowball at him and go away. Um, oh, man. Yeah, that's probably good they cut that. That's funny because I really well, – I, I was impressed that – because the way the bully comes up is the kid's like, why should I help you? Like, what's in it for me in, like, a cute kid way? And Tony's like, here, I'll give you this weapon. You could use it to uh, – to, immobilize but not kill a bully at school uh and i i thought that was really clever that that just seems like a funny irresponsible thing for tony stark to do but then the kid uses that that's a setup the kid uses that to, to distract the villain later in the movie yeah they run it's, they, it's funny that they were going to actually have the bully which would have been a bad idea well no the bully's in it more too that's just the first of like three scenes with the bully got cut <laughs> Um, oh, but we I, we have to explain the rest of the movie for the other scenes with the bully to make sense. Oh boy, I'm so excited! Uh, <laughs> so what Tony Stark has figured out is that the 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 mystery here is that there's no bomb. These bo- explosions are happening, but they find no evidence of bombs. Yeah. So Tony is here to investigate the first time it happened, where this veteran supposedly killed himself with a bomb. Yeah. Uh, and so he goes to uh, a bar and meets uh, the the exploded veteran's mother. Yeah. 
and she's already with a full dossier of classified information. She's like, here's that information you wanted. And he's like, I barely know who you are. Mm-hmm. I think you're thinking of someone else. And she was because the villains were there to, to get that information from her. It's just lucky that Tony Stark was there also. Or unlucky because now the villains are there to get him. That's true. And we, we get uh, a, a fight with some uh, super strong, super hot people who can make their hands all glowy red and melt yeah, through Yeah, they things. just have a better version of the super soldier serum. So much better. <laughs> <laughs> it makes them super soldiers who also can get super hot and melt things. That's a cool power. And if they, they all lose look an cool. arm, it just grows back instantly. I think instantly. It's very, and it's also cool because... They show a couple of times that when they get hot, it pretty much destroys the Iron Man suits really quickly. So yeah, these these guys have what you you had wanted uh, Whiplash to have, which is the 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 extremist soldiers are extra good at defeating Iron Man. Yeah, they just touch him and his suit breaks. Yeah, and they're uh, like stronger than Iron Man suits too. Like with they that they can just grab them and stuff. Yeah, so it's cool. Yeah. No, it's very cool. Uh, they they are specifically a danger to our hero. Uh, and so then we get uh, the second set piece, uh, which is not just Tony fighting a super hot soldier with no armor. He's also handcuffed uh, because yeah. the, the extremist soldier is pretending to be a Homeland Security agent. So she tries to just like arrest him and get him out of there without having to fight anybody. Mm-hmm. And then when the local sheriff is like, I'm going to need to see some more paperwork. Uh, she just starts burning people and killing everyone, but Tony is still handcuffed. So this initial scene is him trying to escape her while handcuffed. Yeah. And that's the, that's the premise of this set piece. Uh, and he has to do little clever things. Like what he actually does is, uh, melts the handcuffs on her super hot body Mm -hmm. is how he gets out of them. Um, and, uh, the way he defeats her is he starts a big gas leak, uh, and, uh, uh, blows her up. Uh, but he, he does this great line where, Tony has clearly thought of an action hero line and he just wants to say it even though it's not good. Mm-hmm. And so he just really quickly is like, you walk right into this, I've dated hotter chicks than you, and then blows her up <laughs> <Yeah>. with fire. <laughs> um, yeah, well, no, it's it's actually, she he had already blown her up. She walked through the fire. Yeah, I did this little thing where I took two very similar beats of the movie and combined them into one for brevity in the podcast. I'm sorry, Marley. (laughs) Well, you know what the next beat is? You think he's safe, but he's not because there's the other guy. That's true. And he he goes. But Austin's right. He sets her on fire, says his joke. Because she walks into the fire. Yeah, I know. I I just watched it. (laughs) We're having fun. We're just two brothers who love each other and love the Marvel movies. Um, and then, uh, uh freaking the, yeah, that, the other one, uh, other bad guy, bald bad guy, um, yeah. uh, melts we, the support beam to a, uh, water tank. What are they called? You have them in your, your part of the world. A water, water tower. Water tower. WB, yeah. the most famous yeah, he, water tower in the world. Yeah, he melts the Warner Brothers water tower. The Animaniacs die. It's horrible. So that's actually a real water tower. In It's like the name of the town is Lily Rose or something. That mm-hmm. is the real name of a town in North Carolina. All of that stuff is on location in a real town. They took, Okay, not, not Tennessee. Not Tennessee. They took over a whole town, like a failing town, and remade the insides of all the buildings to film in them. Like oh, wow. the bar used to be a church. And then they made the church move for six months and turned it into a bar for the movie. 
That's um, crazy. Yeah, it's really nuts. But guess what? In the deleted scenes, when he melts the water tower and all this water comes pouring down, another real stunt they did, all that water was real that's pouring on him and stuff. Um, the bullies come back and are right <laughs> there. And Tony's like, no, no, no. Get out of here, EJ. Don't let the water hit you. <laughs> and the bullies get hit by the water. Oh, no. Do they die? Well... So, after Tony beats, and so after uh, the water hits, he's like, EJ, where are you? Scream if you can hear me. He can't find him. EJ's trapped inside a thing, drowning. <laughs> and Tony's like, and then he has to fight the guy um, again and free, free himself. And then after he frees himself, uh, he's looking for EJ again. And his <laughs> little, fr- his little uh, friend... Who's a tiny boy, Harley, saves EJ and pulls Uh, him out. And then that kid's like, whoa, Harley, you saved me? And that's the whole arc with that bully. You know, I mean, I I understand wanting to give Harley himself his own arc because he doesn't technically have one in this movie. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's fine. He's a child and he's a supporting character. And he's got a a lot of nice little moments. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it was then it... I I get why they cut it because it just slows things down. And it also then at that point, it's like, man, Tony knows a lot of little kids now. (laughs) Because then that raises the amount of kids he's hanging out with to like three because it's yeah uh so yeah so he fights uh i i will say the 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 rules about what is a fatal injury to an extremist soldier are a little unclear yes because we know they can definitely regrow limbs uh and they can survive pretty um, like the the guy that Tony the bald guy that Tony's fighting now was also there when the explosion hurt Happy and he survived that explosion. Yeah. So like they can ex- there's an amount of explosion they can live through. Uh, but like when she blows up uh, the the first woman he's fighting, like it does kill her. So I'm not it's that's a tiny bit unclear. Yeah. Um, it's I'm kind of surprised they didn't just say it was zombie rules because they say that what extremists is doing is rewiring the brain. Oh, yeah. So it would make sense if blowing up their head yeah, is what would probably they can't blow up somebody's head in one of these PG thirteen movies. Yeah, it's, maybe that's it. That's probably part of it is that they could do that, but they can't have Tony Stark blow just a real human's head <laughs> off. Yeah, I guess you're right. This movie is like remember how I said that. Like, the Marvel movies aren't using superhero rules for killing. They're using action movie yeah. rules. Uh, and it's just if someone's trying to kill you, you can kill them back. Yeah. And it's not, a moral, it's not a moral quandary. This is the only movie that makes that verbally explicit. Like, Tony Stark is threatening to kill people in this movie who he then kills. Yeah. Uh, and just they just talk. Like, they're, they're much... This is because it's sort of a classic action movie. They're much more upfront that the rules are, oh, you tried to kill me, so I'm going to kill you. Like, yeah. I, when I get out, I, when I'm tied up right now, and when I am not tied up anymore, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Uh, which is what all the Marvel heroes do, but this is the only one where he says it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is good. It's better for it to just be upfront about what the rules are and how it works, you know? Like, it's not like, yeah. it, it's not like they're tricking people into, like, well, because he doesn't say I'm going to kill you, then he did it, <laughs> yeah. you know? I don't know. But it still, it did strike me. It was like, it, it, I, it, I really noticed that I've never heard any of them in any other movie say to the villain, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you've only seen movies where they do kill the villain. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Tony Stark's, uh, his little pop culture call out in this one is he calls the bald guy Westworld mm-hmm. uh, because of Yul Brenner being the evil robot in West, the original Westworld movie. But I thought it was funny that that reference would be confusing now because there's no prominent bald person in the Westworld show. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. Yeah, there's some, they also talk about Downton Abbey in the mo- in this a lot. Yeah, yeah, Happy loves Downton Abbey, so they've got it playing in his hospital bed for when he wakes up. Yeah, yeah, very, very, um, I don't know, just, it's our world, you know? <laughs> they watch movies just like us. Oh, just Iron like Man us. calls the kid a pussy. He does, he does. Uh, also, uh, <laughs> Happy, Happy has a little, uh, I didn't remember homo- that. Happy has a little uh, a little homophobic verbal sparring uh, with the uh, the bald guy before he blows up. Oh yeah, uh, because the the bald guy is there with another extremist soldier who's having a hard time and is is about to explode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so uh, uh, I, I think I think the way it works is Happy walks up to him and says like, "Oh, what's going on with you and your junkie girlfriend?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the guy is like, "Oh, what are you here to see a movie? Your favorite chick flick?" To Happy like. They're, the way they're being mean to each other is uh, that they're uh, both insecure about their masculinity. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, and then that's, you know, it's subverted because he loves Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I wonder if that's too, I wonder when that got added to the script. Like, because it, it, the way it first appears as a line of uh, Tony Stark just says, like, he likes Downton Abbey. He thinks it's elegant. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I wonder when they were, like, decided... Like, at what point it got decided, it'd be funny if you watched Downton Abbey. Yeah. I don't know. Um, uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Tony Stark splits off from the kid. They do, it's one of the, it's my favorite scene with the kid, is when Tony's like, thanks for helping me, stay by the phone, I mean, the suit, stay with the suit, and the kid's like, oh, you're just gonna leave me, like my dad? And Tony's like, what are you trying to emotionally manipulate me and the kid's like i'm cold yeah (laughs) and it's like yeah the kid knows what he's doing it's very funny yeah 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 well and then to make sure you know the kid the kid knows what he's doing the scene ends with tony then pulls away and the kid goes well it was worth a shot (laughs) yeah i love that the kid is like there is a percentage chance here that tony stark's gonna be my new dad and i'm gonna try (laughs) i could be iron lad (laughs) yeah we could have had our dad's dream of having a 12-year-old kill people in one of these movies. Yeah. I mean, it does, like, this kid, He's so he's 10 here. He's not that different in age from movie Peter Parker. Like, mm-hmm. do you think when, when Peter Parker shows up on the, on the scene as Tony's teen sidekick, this kid's like, the fuck, man? Yeah. <laughs> give, give me a Spider-Man suit. I'll be Spider-Man. I'll be Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why'd you just give me, at the end of the movie... Tony Stark gives the kid like a car and like really, yeah, and a, like give me a, a car and a suit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's that's funny. Harley is at Tony's funeral at the end of uh, at the end yeah, of very confusingly. He, yeah, because he looks completely different because it's been a bunch of years. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like who's that man I've never seen before. <laughs> it really is a real thing of them being like, we should be nice to this real actor kid. And let him yeah. get to be here. He was in this movie a lot. Yeah, he's one of the stars of this movie. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we've we've skipped over it, but uh, Rhodey in this movie is not War Machine uh, anymore. Uh, in response to the terrorist threat of the Mandarin, President Ellis, because Warren Ellis wrote the Extremis comic, uh, President 
President Ellis rebrands Rhodey as Iron Patriot uh, and gives him a red, white, and blue uh, coat of paint. And it is kind of funny because in the comics, Iron Patriot is when Norman Osborn becomes the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. He makes himself an Iron Man suit of armor, calls himself Iron Patriot, and it's like explicitly a villain. Like, he is a villain, and the way this villain is trying to endear himself to the American people is by putting himself in a red, white, and blue Iron Man suit. And I like that this movie just has the regular president come up with that evil plan. I actually think there's a chance the person who does it is the vice president who turns out to be evil. It's not the president's plan? I think it's the vice president rebrands him. I might be wrong. I kind <sighs> yeah, of Yeah, no, that. I mean, you that would make sense because the the Killian and they call it AIM for no reason. It's not AIM. That's not AIM. I don't see one guy in a beekeeper suit and Modoc is not in this movie. Not AIM. Uh, but Killian's group is called AIM. Uh, and they re they also do some sort of upgrade to the Iron Patriot suit. And the vice president, you find out, is working for AIM. So it would make sense if all of this was it from the vice president. It is sick that between these two movies, both times, uh, um, the suit that Rhodey's in just teams up with a different company that makes it evil and puts its yeah. software for it to turn evil. <laughs> both times. Uh, although in this... yeah. I was going to say, in this one, the fact that, that that connection helps Iron Man more than it helps the villain. Yeah, it actually uses... doesn't help the villain at all. No, the villain should the villains should not have given Rhodey access to their servers. That was a big mistake. Yeah, that was huge. Uh, and that, that all fits in. That all comes up right now. So what Rhodey's doing during this movie is uh, running around the world, storming into buildings in, like, Pakistan, looking for the Mandarin, finding only innocent civilians, and, notably, not blowing them up anyway, and then pretending it was on purpose, like the real America does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess this movie presupposes that in a world with Iron Man suits, our intelligence would be just as bad. But if you put a man in the missile, the man can at the last minute not blow up innocent civilians. Yeah, show up and go, okay, I was confused. <laughs> yeah. Bye. So I guess, you know what? Sure, I guess this movie makes a case for I would rather live in a world in which our, our drones had men in them, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I think in the real world, what we would do with those Iron Man drones is blow the people up from the sky. The Iron Man suit would never <laughs> land. Yeah. That guy's at risk. That's what happens to him in this scene. He, he gets captured. Uh, one of the innocent civilians wasn't innocent at all. It was a secret extremist soldier. I guess he should have blown up those civilians. Yeah. Oh, no. That, what is this movie saying? Yeah, that Mar Yeah, man, because they actually, he did find the Mandarin. That was one of the Mandarin's people. Just didn't That's know. true. Well, it was a, it was a trap. Yeah. Uh, so they, they trap... They trap Rhodey. Uh, uh, Iron Man uh, has... Uh, oh, they, they do like... Uh, Jarvis gets upgraded enough that he can do some sort of triangulation bullcrap and get a guess as to where the Mandarin signal is coming from. Uh, and it turns out it's coming from Miami. Uh, and then uh, and then you, you get to what is, is one of the, the main points of the movie, which is... Iron Man starts having a panic attack on the phone with his only friend, a child. Mm -hmm. uh, and the child says, like, well, you said you were a mechanic. That's how Tony explains his deal. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's like, so if you're having a hard time, you should just build something. Mm -hmm. And Tony's, like, snaps into place. And he's like, you're right. 
I can make I just a gun build. out of anything. <laughs> yeah, I just got to build something. And he goes to the hardware store and makes himself a bunch of uh, hardware store Iron Man stuff. And so you get to the third set piece of the movie, which is uh, Iron Man breaking into the Mandarin's compound in Miami using only handmade stuff uh, that he made in the hardware store. Yeah. Uh, and this this scene is different. Up to this point, the, the set pieces had been hindering Tony, there was something making it harder for him to fight than normal. And in this one, he's really, really effective. He easily defeats all these goons with his hardware stuff. And what's interest, what's neat about it isn't that it's hard. It's neat the, the different ways he does it. His little like shock gloves and weird little bomb thing. Like this one's about the fun of how easy this is. Yeah, for his him. W- weird little bomb thing made out of a Christmas ornament. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's still. Yeah, he's still. He even he even does you know, with his little Christmas ornament bomb. He throws the guy in the in the fountain, throws the bomb in the fountain, and then walks away as the bomb explodes behind him. It's like literally the homemade version of the scene from the first Iron Man. Yeah. Um. But uh. So how, what's the order of things? I guess he then he finds out that the Mandarin isn't really the Mandarin, right? Yeah, he's an actor. Yeah. Spoiler. It's Trevor. It's Trevor, our favorite character. Yeah. Uh. When. Ben Kingsley flushes the toilet and then walks into the room as Trevor Slattery. I feel like, I don't think I actually stood up in the audience and cheered out loud, but that's how excited I was. Yeah. I was just thrilled with that reveal. I was so happy. I thought it was the funniest thing. And it was the, it, the whole movie clicked into place for me and my, my faith that the movie knew what it was doing. It was all rewarded. And I'm like, this is so funny. Yeah. I love this. And it's ben still, Kingsley. he does, Ben Kingsley does such a good job. He's so He's funny. In this. So funny. Yeah. And also like the layers of it. Like I forgot that he goes through like three versions of this lie before he eventually settles on like they didn't tell me anything like any of it was happening at all (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah what 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 are they so he starts out um well so well because initially he says well i guess it's that initially he says that he doesn't think any crimes have actually been committed he's like Mm -hmm. oh they were accidental explosions Mm -hmm. and they needed a terrorist to blame them on and all the guns are props and it's all fake nothing has happened at all yeah and and then when they sort of more confront him with the idea that people have really been being killed you get the impression he kind of knew that (laughs) (laughs) and and he's like i mean he has a great line where he's like if you want any other names i will roll on everyone immediately i would like to i would like to rat out everyone involved please yeah yeah uh, so there's that great thing where he's like i had problem i like i had problems with drugs and and then killian found me and and he said he would help and tony's like oh help get you off drugs and he's like no give me more drugs they gave me such amazing drugs <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh they cut a scene where he he in uh, somebody calls them on a comm and they're mm-hmm. like how like is the situation taken care of it's like somebody calling the guard who they've killed phone and yeah uh he's trevor's like i can handle this i'm an actor and he does a russian accent and talks to the guy <laughs> on the phone and tells oh him, that's like, great it's fine it's fine it's all good and then yeah so i don't know oh that one they should have left in yeah put that one in more ben kingsley please every movie yeah uh so this does get a tiny bit complicated because tony does then get captured uh, uh the bald guy shows up and captures him yeah right all it took he was learns... one superhuman man to stop tony stark without a suit yeah the homemade suit does not work against anyone with powers. so tony finds out the mandarin is fake does get captured uh, him and Rhodey are both captured now. They pry Rhodey out of his Iron Patriot suit and they, they fly the suit away. Uh, and uh, the 
so then, uh, yeah, we do the scene that uh, you've talked about where Tony is, is tied up oh, yeah. um, to the bed frame. And then we get another uh, little set piece thing where he only has part of the suit. He only has a glove and a hand. A yeah, so I've got... Boot. So yeah, he he summoned the the it's the it's the Mark Forty Two suit, the one that he can summon from across the country, mm-hmm. and so it powers up enough. He summons it, and yeah, I have listed as the fourth set piece is one glove, one boot. He's just uh, that's the rules of this one. Yeah, that's also the name of the scene. That's what they were calling it is one glove, one boot. In the was it? Yeah, in the in that's <laughs> called the behind the scenes thing with that. Oh yeah, well I guess yep. <laughs> that's also what I called it in my notes. Yeah, great. Well, <laughs> that's I got it. Nailed it. Um, that's why you make the big bucks. Yeah, that's exactly. Tony Stark says nailed it in this movie a lot, actually, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of funny. Yeah, man. Um, I feel like that's not. I feel like that's not a, a, a line you would necessarily give Tony Stark now. Well, because he's in heaven. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> is he Austin? Is that where he is? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, okay. If we don't think he redeemed himself by now. <laughs> What more do you people want? Uh, I meant he's in Valhalla with the fallen heroes. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. He's getting to eat and drink as much as he wants every night. Just and then ten- fight and die every night. <laughs> Just like he wanted. Yeah. Iron Man's uh, one dream to be at constant war for eternity. <laughs> fine, he's in heaven. No, he can be in hell. He's the in, Norse he's in- version of hell. A fine place to just hang out. Yeah. No, he's in billionaire heaven where you only get to go if you die a billionaire. That's why you want the money. Yep, it's the only um, reason. There's only a couple of you in there and you're all cool. <laughs> yeah, you get to spend eternity with Elon Musk. So, I don't know. Maybe that was a mistake. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> so, that's the fourth set piece. One glove, one boot. Uh, him and Rhodey uh, uh, escape. Uh, uh, Don Cheadle actually gets to do some more actual fighting uh not in a suit in this one too he does this cool uh thing where when he when they're prying him out of the iron patriot suit he tries to make it cool and like leaps out of the suit yeah. like punches punches a guy and kicks another guy and then killian literally just breathes fire like a cartoon <laughs> dragon and Rody just stops fighting and is like oh you breathe fire okay never mind <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not gonna fight you again. Then. We haven't. You don't get to see it, but that's the moment that broke his brain, and he has. Yeah. Yeah. He's going yeah. home, and he's like, "You see things, and you can't unsee them. It changes you." You see, Guy Pierce breathe fire like he's Benedict Cumberbatch in a Hobbit movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, it's it's pretty great. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, unless you have uh, more you want to talk about uh, uh, with this, I mean, the next big set piece is the Iron Patriot. You, you find out that the vice president is evil. Uh, he's e- it's it's he's evil because like his granddaughter's missing a leg, and we know that the extremist formula can regrow limbs. So he's doing all of this in exchange for the extremist formula to regrow his granddaughter's leg, well, which seems yeah, I, they, a they, little... Yeah, they put that in there. He also would become president, right? Because the plan is they're going to kill the president. Yeah, but they're going to kill the president. He's going to become president, but then Killian's going to own the president. Like, the idea is that he has such a hold on this guy that, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like the the leg being in there is to show you that that's a meaningful part of his motivation. Okay, yeah, sure, definitely. But I just mean there's, like, two things. Yeah. Because right when you're vice president, the president owns you, you know? like <laughs> Sure. The vice president doesn't get to do anything except rename uh, 
War Machine Iron Patriot, maybe. Yeah, you're saying that you don't think it would be that hard to get Kamala Harris to uh, assassinate Joe Biden so that she could become a uh, supervillain president. I'm not saying that on a podcast, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that she would need at least one other thing. I think it's okay. that, and I think she would need to be able to, I don't know, get wings or something. <laughs> It is wild that they're doing such evil things with extremists because it has such good humanitarian uses. The fact that it can heal anyone instantly. Well, but that's sort of the the important thing that you learn is so Pepper has been spending all of this time uh, on the run with uh, Dr. Hansen. And Hansen talks about all the like good applications that this could have had. Uh, but then uh, Killian comes and you think he's coming to capture both of them because Hanson's betrayed him. But then you learn that she's still yeah. on his side. She still thinks the stuff they're doing is pretty cool. And the way the scene starts is they're both hanging out. Somebody comes in with room service. Killian comes in behind him and breaks that guy's neck. And it's just yeah. like, I'm so evil. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Yeah, like, he also could have broken down the door when there was no hotel employee there who needed to be murdered. Yeah, or, like, could have just... uh, Yeah, it's just what... It's such a moment of, like, as evil as a person could possibly be. They're just like, yeah, whatever. He's just gleefully murdering anyone. Yeah, Uh, and then you find... But what you learn, and you learn it's why they want to... It's why Hanson wanted to recruit Tony. It's why Killian wants to capture Tony. It's that the extremist formula doesn't really work. Mm -hmm. It's not supposed to explode. It explodes by accident, and they've been using the explosions. Because 20 years ago, when her and Tony slept together, Tony scribbled out on a note card, like, half of the formula to fix it. Yeah, and so they want they they need Tony to help them fix it because it doesn't really have uh, re- helpful real world applications if it grows back your limbs and then ten percent of the time it blows you up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not great. Like if the, if this formula just straight up worked, maybe they wouldn't be doing all this evil stuff. Like yeah. they start doing the like they've been working on this formula for thirteen years. They start doing evil stuff in like year twelve because yeah. the formula's not working. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, screw it. It blows up really well. Let's just roll yeah. with that. We're yeah. pivoting. They do a- Yeah, well, it's like when they, they invented Viagra by accident. They were trying to invent, like, heart medication. And mm. then when they learned that it causes boners, they're like, never mind. It's doing that on purpose now. Yeah. This is like that, but with bombs. Yeah, for real. And we're strong and shooting uh, fire out of your face. Fire right out of your face. So in, in the in the comics, uh, Extremis does most of these things, but it's explicitly nanotechnology. It's not a biological thing. Mm-hmm. It's like nanobots are rewriting uh, your body to do this uh, to do this stuff. Which Marley um, supports as a science fiction that could be possible and doesn't it, have pseudoscience about your brain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the reason it's nanotech is because in the comics, Tony Stark takes the Extremis technology and incorporates it into himself. And turns himself into a full-on cyborg whose bot, whose armor lives inside his bones. The thing that I keep thinking is going to happen in the movies, but never ever does. Yep. And it never will. It, that's <laughs> he... what happens to Spider-Man in this next movie. Who knows? <laughs> the suit's in his bones. My suit's in my uh... bones! Just like a spider! <laughs> Hey, spiders have metal suits in their bones as much as they can see the future. So if we're doing spider sets. Just like a spider. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, 
Spider-Man's whole deal is he just lists any power he wants and then says, like a spider, and we all buy it. Yeah, what are you supposed to do? Disagree with a man named Spider-Man? He knows. <laughs> yeah. He knows what spiders can do. Uh, so the the fifth set piece is uh, uh, Killian in the Iron Patriot suit kidnaps the president. And when Iron Man shows up to stop him, they eject all of the president's staff out of the airplane. Mm -hmm. And they do the scene that we've already talked about where Iron Man has to catch 13 people in the air. And the, these uh, the Even though Jarvis, Jarvis tells him he can only actually carry like four. Yeah. And like he does always goes, um no i can't jarvis you're you're wrong i could just do it <laughs> like when jarvis <laughs> says i'm sorry there's no way to make that element and he's like what if i tried anyway jarvis um yeah but yeah so those those uh stunt men and women were the red bull skydiving team or whatever that's awesome yeah that's so funny um and like even when they drop in the water that's all real he he saves all of them he makes them all grab each other and then drops them in the water uh <coughs> And that was, they also dropped them all in the water. They built a giant crane and they were all hanging from wires and they got dropped from the wires one by one. Um, Great. Uh, and then uh, it turns out Tony wasn't in the suit. He was remote piloting it. Because there's they do this setup where they're like, you can either save the president or you can save Pepper. We can't do both. And once again, Tony says, what if I do both? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, the funny thing about this is it's like, so that whole sequence I'm talking about was shot by the second unit team. So Shane yeah, Black that, wasn't there and Robert Downey Jr. weren't there. So it's that just, makes sense. It's own... Although, although to be fair, even if Tony Stark had been in the suit, Robert Downey Jr. would still not have been on set. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> it doesn't, that doesn't affect Weirdly, that. <laughs> they do have somebody like they had somebody wearing a motion capture suit to be Iron Man when they were jumping out. Weirdly enough, that was not Robert Downey Jr. Because <laughs> he's not yeah. Tom Cruise. He's not a psycho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah tom cruise would probably do it even if they were gonna cg over him afterwards oh yeah you couldn't stop him yeah. you would try to stop him and he'd just be out the, the plane and he'd be like i were... don't know if you remember this but i am actually the person who funded this movie to be made this is my movie <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly uh and then uh yeah so t uh, tony and Rhodey have uh while he was piloting the suit Rhodey was piloting a boat uh and uh takes them uh uh, the uh, fake Mandarin he, Trevor he didn't know everything, but he did know exactly where the president was going to be assassinated. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And tells them exactly where to go. Um, it is funny too. Like you said, Rhodey tells him like, we can either save the president. Wait. Yeah. He, he says we can either save the president or we can save Pepper. Um, and then I guess what Tony said after that is no, I, I have a remote controlled suit now. Mm -hmm. And he went, oh, okay, great. But it's funny because actually where the president gets taken is right to Pepper. Yes, so, and they they do, they, like, yeah, like, if, if Tony had not sent the suit to save the president, those 13 White House staffers would have died. Yeah. And that would have been sad. But the president would have ended up in exactly the same place yeah, where they, they would were have going showed up anyway. There and they're like, here we are to save Pepper. Oh, weird, the president's here. Great. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Well, it's good he saved those white... Everyone cares if White House staffers live or not, so it was important that they No, that. and it's cool. It's uh, it, the best scene in any of these Iron Man movies of him saving people. Um, like, actually yeah, it's, saving it's always people. It's always really fun watching Tony Stark 
come up with solutions to non-fighting disasters. Like mm-hmm. something's gone. So there's like the helicarriers crashing. Yeah. I guess or these, pe- stopping these the people are falling from the falling plane. is also saving a lot of lives. But this is very like just this is grabbing people out of a burning building kind of like. Yeah, no, I, I like and, you know, I, I love that stuff. And, you know, it, it came up a little bit in Avengers. It's going to come up more in Age of Ultron. But like, it's definitely a Joss Whedon thing to like really show them saving civilians. And I think this is much more effective. The scene saving these people from the falling plane is a, a more exciting, more effective version of that. Yeah, it's actually some an of the interesting other scene rather than in those. There's It just cuts to them going like, get in the van. It's just always shots of one of them. <laughs> rushing people out of a building or rushing people into a build like yeah because because that's i mean that's a big difference like avengers avengers age of ultron they don't have these like action set pieces Mm -hmm. uh where they're their own little self-contained thing with its own little gimmick yeah um that's what that's what really stuck stuck out to me in this movie uh and so then we get to what i have listed as the sixth set piece but it's the entire third act and a lot of different stuff happens in it and we kind of shift between different gimmicks throughout this scene Mm mm-hmm yeah. Because uh, we start off with a, a, a little, what I, I listed as the lethal weapon uh, scene, uh, where Tony and Rhodey each have one gun, mm-hmm. no suits, and they are running around, and we do some little jokes about the fact that Rhodey is a trained military man, and Tony is a billionaire who should not be holding a gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that stuff's really fun. They just do some classic uh, buddy buddy cop banter about, Watch my six and how many people are behind this barrel. Yeah, it's fun. You really, there have not been, it's one of the first times too, you get the two of them working together trying to fight people. Yeah, you really, very little of that considering. I mean, you get it at the end of Iron Man 2, but they're both in their suits and they're just fighting drones. And you can't see their faces. Like it really, it's important for that um, to make it feel like they're in the same place. Yeah, it's a really fun scene. And then you see that there's like 20 extremist soldiers and then Iron Man's like, well, good news because they just cleared all the rubble out of my house and now I've got 40 Iron Man suits. Yeah, yeah. And he summons every single Iron Man suit and five or six of them have names and some of them have little gimmicks that they do. Yeah. And you're supposed to imagine, ooh, what do you think he built that one for? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, this is also the only movie where it's like, that is Iron Man. If you were to make more of these and like his deal in the comics, Iron Man having a bunch of suits and stuff like this is such a like thing that would be true for a long time. Like, I'm just yeah. it's fun to imagine if there had been more Iron Man specific films, ha- ha- him having even more and more suits and like more of a built out house because clearly he didn't have good enough defenses around his house in this one yeah and it's also it's like a it's a really classic iconic moment from the comics that gets done over and over and over because of how much fun it is which is there's two ways it happens in the comics either iron man activates every single one of his suits and the artist gets to draw every single iron man suit that's ever existed and it's fun for the artist i think they like to do that uh Uh, or what also happens a lot is oh no some kind of villain has taken over every single iron man suit and now i iron man in my newest suit have to fight every single suit i've ever made in the past yeah, and we've never gotten to see that in a movie, and that would be fun. <laughs> so that that would have been Iron Man 4, Well, maybe. that will be Armor Wars. Oh, right. Rhodey's the one that's going to get to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, pretty cool. uh, So, so it, it was cool. It was cool to do the, the one of the most iconic Iron Man things, which is every single one of his old suits shows up. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, and then so yeah, it's it is cool because the extremist guys can be can destroy the suits really easily. Like the fact that the extremist soldiers are outnumbered is the only reason that it works. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah, no, it it it's it's very cool to have him be fighting also completely different kinds of villains than him, like Whiplash. Yeah, and uh, uh, Iron Mongerer. Um, Iron Monger. Iron Monger. Um, yeah. Both are just different, worse Iron Mans. So it's yes. fun for them. These bad guys are a completely different, weird thing. Um, uh, and yeah, and like, and so for this scene, it's like uh, Rhodey is trying to save the president slash get his iron. So the president's in the Iron Patriot suit, mm-hmm. and it's gonna like explode, uh, or the whole bo- the whole iron oil rig that they're on is gonna blow yeah. up. Uh, so Rhodey is trying to get the Iron Patriot suit. Tony makes a little joke about how all forty suits that he brought are only keyed to him, mm-hmm. uh, even though we know Pepper can also use them. So they're keyed for him or Pepper, but not Rhodey. Yeah, or maybe it's yeah. No, you know what? Actually, you're right. The only one Pepper, the only one Pepper ever uses is again the Mark Forty Two, the one she used earlier. Yeah, because it comes back. So yeah, I guess yeah. All these other suits, only Tony can use them. Yeah, I mean, I think that that they're doing that too, just because then he has to go and get the Iron Patriot suit back because it yeah, gives him I, a different thing to be doing. Otherwise, Rhodey then would just be another one of forty suits going around if he got to be yeah. one. No, I. They, I think it was correct that they needed Rhodey to not be able to wear one of the 39 <laughs> Iron Man suits. I'm just saying the line about why he can't was a little weak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's uh, just like, Tony, why'd you do that? It doesn't seem yeah. that hard. <laughs> yeah, so Rhodey saves the president. Uh, Tony does this fight where he basically just keeps putting on new suits. They get destroyed. He runs around. He gets a new suit. They get destroyed. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, it's very cool. Uh, and then eventually he finally f- catches up to Pepper, who's been there the whole time. Pepper's been injected with the extremist serum because they thought that if Pepper was... They thought injecting Pepper would force Tony to help them fix it because he doesn't want Pepper to explode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of funny because basically they... In, well, I will get to it in a second. But uh, So he, he goes to save Pepper, but Killian uh, finally catches up to him and Killian burns through the ground he fucks up uh, Iron Man's armor again. He burns off his own shirt, and you see that Killian has all these uh, dragon tattoos yeah. up and down his body. Uh, and uh, I mean, I'm not even saying I think this. This is very explicit. Like Killian has this line with his—he's got his glowing red hands. He's karate chopping through Iron Man's mm-hmm. suits. He's got the dragon tattoos up and down his body, and he literally says, "You wanted the Mandarin. I am the Mandarin." Mm-hmm. And I. At the time, Marvel was clearly not planning to reveal a real ancient uh, magical Chinese man who was secretly the inspiration for the Mandarin myths, Mm -hmm. uh, which you later learn in Shang-Chi. Obviously, their plan here was to say that Aldrich Killian, this white asshole, is the Mandarin. Yeah. And that it's not that there's no Mandarin in this movie. It's not that we were... When you find out Ben Kingsley is an actor, that doesn't mean the Mandarin doesn't exist. It means the Marvel Cinematic Universe version of Mandarin is Aldrich Killian. Yeah. And I think they were hoping people would buy that and be like, oh, there was a Mandarin in this movie. And I think the fact that nobody bought it and everyone was like, but when's the real Mandarin going to show up made them change their plans. I mean, a lot of people didn't like this movie or were mad about it because they were like, I can't believe they did this to the Mandarin. Like, yeah, which. um... Yeah, I think I had a tweet at the time where I was like, if you're devastated by the fact that they changed the Mandarin, surprise, I think you're racist. (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, what are you holding on to? They had to change it. Well, yeah, again, the Mandarin that it's, is in Shang-Chi is a completely different thing than the Mandarin yeah, in the they, comics. Exactly. Like, the Mandarin in Shang-Chi is Chinese, but he's as different from Mandarin as this one. They yeah. had to change him this much. And this they is also the amount... basically changed his name in Shang-Chi. They just Yeah, they don't call him that. Like, kind of, I'm the Mandarin, whatever. But that's a yeah, stupid th- name. Like, exactly. They don't call him that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like there was no war. Like, it's not like, you know, like it's not like Black Widow where like whatever you whatever you think about what they did with Taskmaster, they didn't have to change Taskmaster. Mm-hmm. They need like they changed oh, Taskmaster yeah. to, to fit the story they wanted to tell. But if they had wanted to do comic Taskmaster, they could have. Yeah. But like with Mandarin, they could not. It was not an option. You cannot do comic Mandarin. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Especially- even even. Even in the comics at the time, they brought Mandarin back and tried to give him like a a, a, a punch up for the movie because they knew mm-hmm. people would be looking for Mandarin comics. And the way they were doing Mandarin in the comics at the time is, you know, he's still the same guy. So he's still Chinese, but he was just like a slick businessman in a suit with long um, hair. Yeah. Like he kind of looked like Killian and then he had his magic rings and he would karate chop through tanks. Like they were trying to make, they well, were trying to he's see He's just if... wearing a suit in Shang-Chi. He's yeah. Wearing so like. Hair. The, the idea was we have to update Mandarin and their idea was what if he's just kind of like a cool slick guy in a suit with magic pants. Yeah. 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 So. Um, anyway, it's all pretty cool. Uh, they the, fight a bunch. There's a lot of thinking that Pepper has died or is about to die, which is all I, I did not like. I didn't, didn't think they, uh, again, uh, sold it as she was dying or I don't know. Her. yeah pepper falls off a, she's off like a ledge stuck in, under a thing for like four minutes she's stuck under a thing for the initial fight uh then iron man chops off killian's hand and his hand is so hot it melts the ground that they're all standing on oh yeah uh and pepper falls into a big fire and then yeah for the rest of the fight tony and killian are talking about her like she's dead like yeah. they're both like oh we both liked pepper and she should have been with me not you and now she's dead yeah uh and uh and then yeah then pepper is uh not dead because here's killian made a couple mistakes uh-huh. uh as a as a villain and i think his biggest mistake mm-hmm. is that the serum that he injected pepper with yeah. to imperil her uh-huh. and to convince tony uh to uh, come to his side gave pepper the same fucking superpowers he had uh-huh so what she does is kill him really easily with the superpowers. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, and it is cool. Like, they really, talking again about Robert Downey Jr. wanting uh, Pepper to have more to do, she's the one who beats the bad guy completely at the end. Yeah, um, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I, like I'm, I miss about it is I'm like, they should have just let her keep Extremis powers. Yes, uh, I do agree with that because they're cool. They're and no one had and all the villains die, so no one has these powers now in the movies. Yeah, and then at the uh, end of uh, Endgame, instead of her having a suit, she would just be running around melting through aliens. <laughs> yeah, like, using those cool. Yeah, instead of the suit coming out of nowhere, it would be like, oh yeah, those cool extremist powers. Oh my we know god, she yeah, has. I forgot. Pepper Potts can shoot lasers out of her face. if instead there's just a shot of her like fighting of one of those arm alien guys and she's like and shoots a laser out of her face and blows it up yeah 
Yeah, that would have been awesome. Like, Captain Marvel would have been like, hey, Spider-Man, give me the gauntlet. And Spider-Man's like, but who's going to protect you? And she's like, that lady. And it's just Pepper just fire-breathing down armies of aliens. And her arms keep getting ripped (laughs) off and growing back. Yeah, she's throwing super hot severed limbs at people and melting their faces. Yeah, yeah. That would, you know, Marvel loves to do that joke of like, whoa, where was she this whole time? That would have been great. Yeah, seriously. It is, I honestly think, They've just, it, it's funny, the whole extremist thing, I feel like they've just retconned that that exists. Like, they're never, we'll see, they might at some point, but, like, the whole fucking show about people getting the super soldier serum, like, this is a much better super soldier serum. Why aren't they? Oh, yeah, like, you would you would think in the way people are, like, constantly trying to recreate the Hulk or constantly trying to recreate uh, uh, Steve Rogers, there'd be someone out there being like, that Killian guy basically had it. Yeah. Like, with the tiniest tweak. It might be better because they can throw <laughs> arms. Yeah. These are the only people in the Marvel movies with, like, a real really fast healing factor too that lots yeah. of people have in the comics yeah but is yeah you're right no no one really has it in the movies um and yeah and, and and the way that tony still helps uh pepper at the end is she actually kills killian by uh she puts uh the the suit that she can use too she puts the arm on uh and uh she kicks one of the little missiles at him and then shoots the missile like tony blew up the helicopter improves all again, set up that if tony stark just gave thor a suit of armor he'd be really cool <laughs> give a stronger person an iron man suit yeah yeah and then uh actually pepper uh has a line that i forgot and actually changes the way i think about the next couple movies which is because she wants i always remembered this movie as pepper wants tony to like stop being like stop doing this iron man stuff Mm -hmm. and i remember that at the end of the movie he sort of says like yeah you know what i don't think i need it anymore Mm -hmm. and then she's like oh good and then i remembered every movie after this had to sort of pretend that didn't happen Mm -hmm. or like be like oh remember how like i think in civil war he's gonna say like oh pepper i promised pepper i wouldn't do this anymore than i did in age of ultron so now she's mad at me Mm -hmm. and i think because they say that in that movie i thought that's what happened in this movie but it totally isn't Mm-hmm. Like what Pepper says after she blows up Killian with the Iron Man glove is I can see why you never want to give these up. What am I going to be mad at you about now? Mm-hmm. Like she accepts the armor in that scene. She's like, oh, this is awesome. Shooting lasers at guys and blowing them up rules. Yeah. And then what Tony says is like, oh, he's like, I'm here. You know, we'll be together. Everything's going to be great. And she's like, what about the distractions? Which she means all his 40 Iron Man Mm -hmm. suits. And he's like, well, I'm going to shave that down a bit. Jarvis, turn all those suits into cool Christmas fireworks. Mm -hmm. And they all blow up. And I remember that as like, he's giving up being Iron Man, but he really isn't. He's just saying, he's just saying like, it's it's literally called like the clean slate procedure or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what he's saying is that building 40 suits in my basement and not sleeping was a symptom of my mental illness. But now I've processed that and I can healthily, I guess, make Ultron drones is what he ends up doing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just, this movie does not actually end with the implication that he's agreed with Pepper yeah. to not be Iron Man anymore. The way I kind of had remembered it. The sense you get, because he then also removes the shrapnel from his chest so he no longer has an arc reactor in his chest. Yes. Um, and the the sense you get is that like he was burdened by iron man at a certain point it stopped being his salvation and started being this thing he literally has to carry around through a part of the movie and then he's learned that the suits is just one of the tools that he uses to be a superhero and do good it's not 
the only thing about him or yeah and he does have that line of like the suits weren't a distraction they were a cocoon Mm -hmm. and like now i've emerged and i wonder how early that line was in there because in the comics when tony injects himself with the extremist formula it literally forms a cocoon around him (laughs) and then he and then he emerges with his new extremist powers that's wild so i wonder if at one point something like that was going to happen in this movie yeah yeah i know because you were saying that they've like the whole time had this idea of like should it be a nanotech suit in these movies yeah. right um because that was the most recent comic when they were making these movies yeah well because the the extremist storyline was basically a, a reboot of iron man in the comics it's where they introduced the new origin where he gets uh he gets the suit in afghanistan instead of asia mm-hmm. um and they sort of it, the that comic was sort of like hey iron man's been kind of a weird character he's not super popular here's our new take on iron man and pitched something similar to movie iron man and then they made the movies a few years later so when he is the extremist stuff before or after civil war i think it's before wow you really can't tell that that's a nanotech like it just his nanotech suit just looks exactly like a regular iron man suit right yeah yes uh well it's like at the exact same it's 2005 so it's like at the same time okay I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's a normal Iron Man suit. Yeah, it looks like the one in the movie. I mean, the Iron Man, the first movie, is kind of based on how he was looking yeah. at the time. I get why they decided to not do it in the movie, because they were like, it's a nanotech suit, and then it just becomes something that looks super practical, but the way that <laughs> it gets made is impossible to visualize. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, because then, so, because I'm just thinking about it, because... I read comics with him like that and never, I don't think, really realized that it was a nanotech suit. The way that... Yeah, they, well, like, did did you read that Mighty Avengers comic where Ultron uh, takes over takes over Iron Man, but what that means is he rewrites his entire body to become, like, a weird metal version of the Wasp? Oh, yeah, I did. I must have read like that. Like, that whole, that whole time where they're fighting, like, metal Wasp, that's actually Tony's body, and Ultron was able to do that because of how Extremis works. Yeah, 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 you're right. I'm just thinking about in the ways that once they finally did have the nanotech suit in uh, Endgame and Infinity War, the way they use that in the movie is that the suit is constantly changing how it's built and stuff, because it's... Yeah, made. it's more of a, a liquid metal sort of suit kind yeah, of thing. which is what makes more... If your suit was made out of nanotech, you would... You, you would use that to do something rather than just being a convenient place for it to go or whatever. Um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's fair. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, that's, uh, do you have anything else uh, you want to talk about this movie? Uh, no, no, no. After credit scene. Oh yeah, this is after credit scene. You get the reveal that the person he's been talking to this time was Bruce Banner, who fell yeah. asleep at the very first second of him talking (laughs) yeah i'm not that kind of doctor i'm not a therapist Um, yeah which is funny this movie doesn't have a marvel studios style end credit like it has like a little joke at the end the way lots of movies have always done but the the thing that's fun about this like we talked about in the avengers episode this is the other thing people had to be like yep it's hulk and iron man the two science bros yeah this is this is one of the only things that kept the idea that they stayed best friends going because they never really have any scenes together again yeah yeah they must i mean they talk in age of ultron i imagine yeah yeah i know but i don't think well we'll see i don't think they have too much camaraderie going in that one uh, maybe, maybe i are forget they the only ones that think they should make vision <laughs> or yeah no you're no you're, you're right he it's 
God, I don't know. Thor winds up being pro-Vision because Thor shows up and like shoots the lightning at the box. I think he might just do it. We're going to watch this movie. We're going to watch this movie really soon. Uh, We'll find out. We're building suspense for our fans. Let's see if the science bros have a a showing in Age of Ultron. Uh, Joss Whedon gets a special thanks in the credits. Oh, okay. I mean, they talk about the movie he made a lot in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they talk to him making this movie too yeah probably uh, i mean i mean he was setting up age of ultron at this point so they were all they were all co-workers working together on this wonderful franchise they were all, we all employees love. of robert downey jr <laughs> yeah. trying to make whatever movie he was telling them he wanted to have been made yeah i mean that's the that's the the turning point in the marvel studios plan after this is like this movie made a billion dollars this yeah. was an incredibly successful movie but it, they they decided that instead of iron man 4 they would split up Tony Stark's appearances up and just have him in a bunch of movies that weren't Iron Man movies. Mm-hmm. And that was like a strategy shift was they were like, we'd rather have him in Captain America Civil War than in Iron Man 4. Mm-hmm. They wanted to spread out the Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Like he, I think basically he probably agreed to like an amount more minutes. He was like, you have me for this many more minutes <laughs> and you can split that up however you want. And let me tell you, the amount you're going to have to pay me per minute is going up each movie. Yeah. yeah. Till he got paid whatever, like 25 million for five minutes in uh, Spider-Man 3 for Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Something like that. Uh, so uh, yeah, he's look, he made some really good business. Decisions. I watched um, his, the interview on David Letterman with him, the, my next mm-hmm. guest needs no introduction. And they spend a lot of that going around Robert Downey Jr.'s ranch it is <laughs> insane his ranch is like he it's like he rescues he rescues animals and mm-hmm. has like just a giant staff of people caring for like donkeys and stuff on his property yeah yeah um nice house uh all right so are we ready <laughs> for what our several fans are waiting for mm-hmm. which is how many iron mans do we give this movie yeah 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 so as as all of you know, longtime listeners, I say if how many the movie Iron Man I give it. So yeah, Iron you Man you gave you... one Iron Man. Yeah. Um, Iron Man three. Yeah. So I said Avengers was one point three Iron Man. You did. But I feel like this movie's better. But well, I. What are, but is it? What are you gonna do? I'm gonna say one point four. I mean, part of your your rating is you always say, like, if someone wants to watch an Iron Man movie, is this the one I'd recommend? And I mean, isn't it? Well, no, because if you haven't seen the first Iron Man or Avengers, you'll be a little bit confused. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. This might be on its own. But yeah, I think this is the best Iron Man movie, except I think Iron Man is um, (laughs) more important. Like, it's probably more worthwhile this one holds up better than Iron... Yeah, I'm saying 1.4 Iron Man. Okay, cool, cool. All right, so what I do is I count how many Iron Mans are in the movie. And, yeah. Uh, and so I've given it a lot of thought. We've talked a lot about what am I going to do when we get to this movie. Mm. Uh, and I think that the point of this movie is you can take every single thing away from Tony Stark. You can take away his gadgets and his money and his stuff. But what you can't take away from him is that he is Iron Man. Uh 
So I think if I look in my heart, I have to say that I give this movie 42 Iron Mans because that's how many suits are in the movie. Marley, I was about to be so mad. If you said one <laughs> Iron Man, I was just gonna be like, no, 42. This is the only movie where they count it for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying to decide if it would be funnier to actually say one and make you mad or just fake you out. And I went with the fake out. <laughs> well, great. Yeah, I give this movie 42 Iron Mans. Can I kind of want to say... See? Can you actually see 42 different Iron Mans? Or you just you're just trusting them? I'm just trusting them. Also, honestly, Iron Patriot's in there. And so I guess there's 43 Iron Mans in this movie. Oh, snap. <laughs> 43 Iron Mans? What yeah. do you think about all of using the other things? What do you think about all of the gadgets he makes? Is that an Iron Man? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah, the hardware suit, that's one more Iron Man. Four, <laughs> I give this movie 44 Iron Mans. <laughs> it's just his worst Iron Man suit. It's the worst Iron Man suit, but you're right. It's in there. If I if we, if we we're counting the, the one he made in the cave, why wouldn't I count the one he made at Target? It's surprising how much worse he is at making a suit when he has unlimited money and just regular things he can buy than when he's in a cave. I guess in the cave he has military equipment. I take it Yeah, back. in the cave, yeah, yeah. In the cave he had his missiles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in the cave. Yeah, when they say Tony Stark made this in a cave, yeah, he made it in a cave with all of his own cutting-edge technology weapons. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and also, it wasn't just that he was making it a hardware store. He also didn't have very much time. It was, yeah. there, was a, there was a clock on this. Yeah, it yeah, was, totally. He, and, he, yeah. he did a good job, and I'm counting it as an Iron Man. So you know what? Yeah, 40, I give this movie what I... It's going to be the highest score I'm ever going to give a movie, depending on how I count Ultron drones, which you're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah, Marley. Really? Uh... <laughs> Leaving people will I give there. Will I give Ultron Age Will I give Avengers Age of Ultron a embarrassing like two Iron Mans or will I give it a staggering thousands of Iron Mans? <laughs> yeah, One thousand <laughs> Iron Mans. <laughs> You're just gonna have to wait and see on wait and hear on Hero Rewatch. Yeah, what's our next episode? Um Uh I always forget the order it's of Thor these. The it's Dark either World. it's it's either Thor or Captain America. It's, it's Thor. Thor. Okay, Thor. Oh, you know what? That you know what? Actually, yeah. Everyone, get excited. We're gonna watch Thor, and that is actually gonna definitely mean we're gonna talk about Eternals because we would have been talking about Eternals either way when watching Thor: Dark World because of all the Kirby New God stuff. Yeah, and this honestly, it's it's just it's been a long time since Shang Chi came out. So maybe if if that had come out the day before we were recorded, we probably would have talked about it more in this episode. But it's been yeah. A minute. We talked I mean, about we, it a good amount. We, we talked about it a little bit. Yeah, we did. So, yeah. So, tune in next episode. We'll definitely talk about Thor some. We'll definitely talk about Turtles some. At least as much as we talked about Shang-Chi this will week. will we talk about our dad, Jeffrey Halpern? Only one way to find out. <laughs> Hero Rewatch! <laughs> boop, 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 boop. It's me, the newsman. I'm back. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. Please give us a follow and rating on the television if you liked it. I'm a newsman. Our intro and outro music are by Josh Pan. Art is by Will Patrick. Austin Halpern Grazer edits the podcast. You can follow the podcast on Twitter. At Hero Rewatch, Marley is MarleyHG on Twitter, and I'm AustinHG. For some more Hero Rewatch stuff, look up Austin Halpern Grazer on Instagram and TikTok. And that's all the news. 
Good night, New York. <laughs>